like the real deal now. Ooh. Gonna kick this sorry ass out on the street. Welcome to the Logan Wrestling Podcast. My name is Robert Fuller. And joining me today, who is the co-host of the Attitude Era Podcast, is Kevin Mahan. Kevin, thank you for being on the show. Hello, Robert. Thanks very much for having me. Yeah, and uh, we are continuing our series on The Undertaker's Streak. And this time, he is facing Randy Orton at WrestleMania 21. And this is an interesting one to me because this is the first time where the streak itself is actually part of the story. Yeah, it's definitely, it was the first time, I think, I remember Rick, well, him versus Ric Flair at 18 was the first time I remember them actually kind of making a big deal about the fact that, oh yeah, by the way, he is undefeated, it's like when he held up his 10 fingers at the end of that match to signify he was 10-0, and 0. Uh, but this was the first time where I, I remember there being a storyline revolving around it going into the match as opposed to it just being something that was mentioned by announcers, so uh, because I think it was the first time that they really they really felt that it was actually in, in in jeopardy or that the streak was part of it. It was one of the first few times that people were really talking a lot that the streak was actually going to end. Yeah. Um, so at this time, which was 2005, where were you as a Western fan? Oh, 2005. I was I was back into... I mean, I, I, I'm rare enough among wrestling fans, the fact that I think there was only... Only like one kind of period at the end of like 2002, 2003, where I stopped watching. So 2005, I was around WrestleMania 2021. I was kind of fading out a little bit. I was not really that interested. I was sick of Triple H. I wasn't in that into John Cena. And I wasn't that into Batista. And also, quite frankly, I wasn't that into Randy Orton. The only really things which I was enjoying on the show were I enjoyed Undertaker. I enjoyed JBL quite a bit. And, you know, a lot of you know, the, the guys that were coming up are like, you know, Edge, Christian, Benoit. So, I mean, outside of the, outside of the kind of the solid mid-card stuff, I was not really enjoying the main events that much. So I was a fan still at the time, but I was definitely like... I was. I can't recall being as disillusioned as I was back then because I was just, you know, I was just watching the shows just for the sake of watching the shows. I wasn't necessarily enjoying myself very much. Yeah, I mean, for me, I I just got out of it because um, obviously you you did you live in the UK at that time? Uh, no, I was in Ireland at the time. All right. Um, I don't sure it was like for you, but you know, in the UK, obviously Sky Sports showed all the pay per views. Yes, and then they started putting, started charging for them. Yeah, they, uh, they had the really great idea, Sky Sports, which was they were going to make <laughs> Sky Sports and WWE. They were to make the shows worse and charge you for them. Yes. Like back in the day, you got like fucking, you know, Royal Rumble two thousand for free. You got all like your know, backlash for free. All this great stuff on like Channel Four and Sky Sports for free. And now it's like, hey guys. Kevin Nash and Triple H in a hell in a cell. That would be twenty five pounds, please. Like I was not, <laughs> I was not too uh, happy with this. Like because yeah. obviously at the time I was only a teenager, so it's not as if I can turn around to my parents and go, "Hey, you know that thing you're not too fond of me watching? Can I have twenty five pounds so I can watch another bit of it?" Like that was never going to happen. So yeah, I think a lot of fans were actually 
particularly in the UK, were affected by that because it went from wrestling being some this cool thing which you could stay up late and watch, you yeah. know, and it was kind of like a, a, an inside thing to this thing which you had to pay fuck loads of money for because you couldn't get a stream, you know, in 2005. That wasn't happening. You yeah. know, there was no, there's no Twitter. No one's going to tell you where to go watch a show for free. So, yeah, that was a big deal for me as well, I think. Yeah, I mean, for me, uh, I was working at my student union, so uh, but I was like the janitor, so I had to look at the building, and it must have been Sunday night. So when the pay-per-view was on, I just kind of asked the bar to just put Sky Sports on, I'll just watch a bit of it. And then everyone would leave, and I was just stay. <laughs> then oh, man, awesome. So I, got, awesome. so I got paid to watch most of it. Um, so the story going to this match is that uh, Randy Orton became World Heavyweight Champion two, in SummerSlam 2004. He doesn't have the championship for long, because I think Triple H beat him like a month later. <laughs> yeah, that was a, that was not a very um, salubrious title reign for young Randy Orton. No, uh, I really liked I liked that whole angle. I was never an Orton fan. Um, I don't know if it's it's always hard to tell if it was when you're younger if it's because you hate someone because they were a heel or if you legitimately just hated them. But uh, I remember really disliking Randy Orton uh, before you know he won the belt. There, I thought that he was given a big push for no real reason. I thought he went over guys way too easily. I hated the fact that he. You know, he bet up Mick Foley and got away with it, and he spit in Harley Race's yeah. face and got away. He seemingly always got away with it. And there comes a point with, like, a heel like that, particularly a young, cocky one, where you have to see him get his ass kicked. And I felt that never happened. That being said, I really like the storyline with him winning the belts, kind of without getting the okay from Triple H, so yeah. to speak, and then him turning on. That was a cool little feud, but way yeah. too short. Yes, it was. Um, after that, Holden becomes heel again and goes through his legend killing gimmick. So as you mentioned before, he's like spitting, disrespecting all these legends like Harley Ways and all this stuff. Um, the war about five weeks before WrestleMania, um, Superstar Billy Dre makes an appearance. Oh, and yes. He, yes, and he invites us to go where no wrestler has gone before. So also has the great idea to go after the streak of The Undertaker. Um, and said, well, this is like the first time the streak is like actually becomes part of the story. Um, and also, and also that superstar sorry. Billy Graham has been part of the story. <laughs> yes, it is. I mean, I've heard so much about him, but never actually, I've never just seen this bit, but I've never actually seen him like, actually you know, be like Western, they were doing promos and everything. I've heard so much about him. I've yeah. seen him when he's like, in the background somewhere, and actually, see, actually do anything like that. It was really weird, actually, yeah. And he, uh, he, he RKO'd Stacey Keebler to kind of signify what a bad guy he was before WrestleMania as well, if I recall. Yes, uh, I think he did. Um, yeah, he did. He did it. Uh, that's how he turned, he turned heel. Um, I pretty much, when he was doing the promos, he was just crap himself at any sign. One ticket appearance was like lightning, darkness, smoke. He goes, right, I'm out of here. <laughs> at least. <laughs> <laughs> um... There's a bit where Jake Roberts comes in to like, yes, advise him. Yes, I love that moment. I thought it was it was great because, well, they didn't necessarily explicitly stay it, say it straight up front. The, the idea, which was kind of like, oh, here's someone who tried to beat The Undertaker at WrestleMania. And, you know, Jake looked like crap back then. And yeah. His voice was gone. His hair was gray. And he didn't look like he used to look. And, you know, he gets brought out on the highlight reels as kind of, old, beaten down old dog who, you know, and he's telling Randy Orton, like, don't you try and beat The Undertaker because, you know, you know, it's not worth it. And they're kind of implying that, oh, is this the fate that will erate Randy Orton if he tries to beat The Undertaker? Will he just be someone else who tried to make a name for himself? And I thought it was a, it was a really good use of Jake, if not maybe slightly exploitative, you know, because yeah. <laughs> it's not too, too often they'll wheel out a legend who, like, legitimately looks like shit and, like, is on hard times. But, uh, 
yeah, that was a really, really good use of Jake and a, and a great little promo and a great tease they did there where he thought that he was going to DDT Randy Orton. That was awesome. Yeah. I mean, one thing I like about that is that um, it's only the second match of the stream and Jake Robinson, but in that match, Jake Robinson is very cocky. He's very confident. He's going to be yes. the taker. And even, though, even when he does the first DDT, he's not like pinning him straight away. Uh, he's like kind of celebrating. And then um, you, you would think when he hits the second DDT, you would like learn this lesson. I like pin him, yeah. but he doesn't like to go off the poor bear instead. And it's all about him, his cockiness coming back to hold him. And you can see that in Randy Orton, which makes just an awesome like side story with this, which is that maybe people are kind of like maybe Orton actually could beat the Undertaker. He is talented enough, yeah. but he's is that cockiness, is that kind of the the arrogance, which is what's got him where he is. Is that actually going to come back and uh, and bite him in the ass, so to speak? So yeah, there was a really like multifaceted story going into it. It wasn't just the simple I want to beat the Undertaker. It was as much about Randy Orton's character as it was about the streak. Yeah. And uh, we get we get to the final SmackDown before WrestleMania. Uh, Cowboy Bob Orton, who seems to have a continuously broken arm. <laughs> Poor old Bob. <laughs> yeah. Um, Beth would undertake uh, to have mercy on his son because he's, he's literally pleading on his knees. He literally was on his knees saying, "I'm begging you, Undertaker." Yeah. <laughs> it was yeah. quite hilarious. Yeah, but it turns out to be a setup because um, Orton does the Alkyrium, and obviously he he goes into WrestleMania on top. Um, so we're, we're getting to the match itself. Um, the commentators on Michael Cole and Taz. Uh, Michael Cole is probably as commentator where every Undertaker match from twenty one onwards. Um, Shit, is that true? Good yeah. lord! You know, don't don't exception. It is um, twenty seven because that was just after the Cole Lana clusterfuck match. Oh god, yeah. Um, and then twenty eight, Jr. comes down and Jr. kind of does most of the play by play and. Yeah, because like the third man in it. That's a scary thought. Good lord. <laughs> yeah. uh, I don't know. I mean, I, I don't think. I think with Cole began with he, he kind of got fussed in the deep end when JR had his spell pause the attack. Mm. Um, I did. I, you know, I think cause then, I don't think he. I think the work plan do it eventually, but probably yeah. a bit too soon for him. Now, um, get to this point. I didn't mind so much. Taz is okay, but he's starting to get a bit annoying. Because it could have been in this match, I'll get to it, where he says something like, that makes no sense, why are you saying that? Kind of uh, the problem I have with Taz, and a lot, partic- I don't mind Taz for most of the time, but if it's something like, you know, the, an Undertaker match, or the streak, it's just, his character and his voice doesn't sync up with what I'm seeing on screen. It's like, yes, I'm yes. watching The Undertaker, and then there's Taz kind of saying something goofy about the hood or so you know about, about red hook or joey numbers and it never yeah, really yeah. adds up i like it most of the time but just during something like an undertaker match it's just like no i don't think this fits but uh so this is personal taste really yeah um one thing i noticed this one is that um uh, don't comes out first which is the first time i can't remember offhand but i think it's the first time that ever happens normally it's a point comes out first then undertaker um the druids make an appearance and they all come down the aisle and surround the wing before the Undertaker appears and makes his entrance. And I try like this entrance because they kind of make it look like, because there's lots of smoke along the aisle, and make it look like it kind of floats into the ring. Yeah, can I say, uh, this was possibly one of the most underwhelming Undertaker entrances ever, in my opinion. I was like, because WrestleMania 20, with like Bear coming back, and the Druids, and you know the new look, and the lights, it was all so perfect. I was hoping... There had been a trend with Undertaker since he came back to the Phenom gimmick that he was doing all kind of over-the-top, amazing entrances. And I was really yeah. hoping for that. And I thought, what the best they can come up with is that it looks like he may or may not be hovering, yeah. like, 
why 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 is that like meant to be cool? I don't it it, it I didn't know what they were going for. It's so silly. Like he's the Undertaker. He should walk with purpose, not like look like he's on a hoverboard or something. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it was it was really weird. Like there's you know, just because it's mysterious doesn't mean that it, it suits the Undertaker. Like I wouldn't have him come out in a unicorn either. You know, yeah. it's just <laughs> it didn't fit. I didn't think. Yeah. Um. Well. This is when um, Alton comes out and Cole makes all the legends that Alton's taken out and so forth. Um, when he gets in the match himself, Alton slaps Undertaker. Undertaker's like, what the fuck? <laughs> Which is awesome. It's yeah. absolutely awesome. I, I mean, just, it's kind of, you know, you, you expect it from Randy Orton at this stage because of all the, he spit in people's faces, but still in the big match environment from the slap taker, he's like, whoa. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so Undertaker goes after him, gets a side headlock. Um, all that gets out of it is a drop kick and then does a back body drop. Um, there's a bit, one thing I've noticed with Undertaker is that he's starting to evolve more into the MMA style. So, yeah, uh, during this time he started doing the kind of, a lot more like the takedowns and he was more kind of strike based and you see if he was on the ground he'd go to cover up. Those are little things like that. Uh, you know, a lot of people think that Undertaker's MMA influence starts and ends with those weird gloves that he, wear, he wears but there was a lot in regards to his selling and him being on the defense of that actually took takes it off from the UFC. It was really cool to see it. Yeah, because he does a lot of um, fighting in the corners as well. And yeah, it's not- uh, it's it's interesting. You think more people would adopt that? You you think that would start to become the norm? That more guys would start to to take some more of that UFC stuff? You know, because it seems like an obvious thing for for wrestlers to to draw from. But not really. That's really kind of become widespread with wrestlers on the roster currently. Yeah. Um, so talking about the corners, take a sends Alton to the corner. Does the goes for the avalanche planche, but uh, Alton manages to dodge it and does a wall up for two, and then try to go for the RKO like really early. Um, yeah, but, scary moment. <laughs> yeah, but Undertaker goes, no, you don't. Kind of lifts him and sends him to the floor, and then later on he does um, the little lead drop, which I always love that move. Oh, that's a great move, really cool. Yeah, and then does the um, old school just after that. Um, he also pulls him back into the up corner and then goes to the big boot but misses and goes to the apron. Um, dashing down goes to the outside. Um, also does a drop kick, then take her to the barricade. Um, and it starts Orton got a lot more offense in this than I thought he would. I remember at the time expecting it to be kind of Undertaker to beat the holy crap out of him and for Orton to maybe start get a few chance near falls here and there. Yeah. But they actually, that's always something great about the Undertaker. He's not afraid to. To a guy who maybe seen, you know, because he's so fucking big. If he's a good guy, it's hard for a for a heel to get 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 the best of him. Um, but the, he gave he gave Orton a lot to work with in this match, which was pretty cool to see. Yeah, he does. I mean, um, when I heard about the match the first time, that um, it's kind of because you got to make sure good like Orton looks strong because he's he's like killing all these legends and stuff. So you want to make him look like he can actually do that yeah and you also as well keep in mind his awful one month title reign they have to make him look at least quite you know seem semi-legitimate after that to keep him in a main event yeah. um, mode so that he could actually go on after this and still be in the main event and maybe fight for the title again yeah I mean um, I mean Tyler Concrete is impressed by what, what, what Alton is doing um, but take a hit of DDT gets that too and then he bounces also, the comment then hits a side suplex. And this is the one thing that Taz said, and it makes no sense to me. If Taz goes, he wants Undertaker to win because he's a SmackDown guy. I'm like, that's your reason? 
Really? Oh, of course. This was interpromotional. Yes, Good it was. Lord, yeah. They uh, really, I remember WrestleMania 20, that was really a big thing, the fact that it was Raw and SmackDown guys fighting yeah. in matches. And good Lord, it's such an afterthought in 21 that I can't even remember. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because the, the only two interpromotional matches on this card is this one and when Angle faces Shawn Michaels. Angle and Michaels, yeah, that's which it. Which is a tremendous match. Fantastic. Uh, well, I just found it weird. It's just, it's just out of nowhere. It's like, oh, what? It's, it's kind of just rambles on about it. Oh, you know, I want to take it in only because it's a SmackDown guy. I'm like, okay, then, fine. You if know, you're like, announcing with Taz, the best thing to do, if he says something that makes no sense, is just to ignore it and move on. Because <laughs> yeah, the only thing worse than Taz saying something that makes no sense is try- Taz trying to cover for him saying something that makes no sense and trying to make it logical, even after he's been proven that it makes no sense. And that is all of TNA's commentary woes summed up in one sentence. <laughs> yes, I mean, um, I think with TNA, I mean, Taz is just annoying. I try to like Matt TNA, but I don't think he's the man to be the voice of the company. Yeah, it's. I mean, Matt TNA is good. I think the, the problem with both of those guys is I think they've proven in, in previous times and previous companies, or even in that company, that they're both perfectly capable of being good commentators. It's the fact there isn't, there isn't a Vince McMahon or someone akin to him in their ear telling, you know, producing them right. Whoever produces the announcers in TNA is doesn't have their eye on the ball, I don't think, because they just ramble. But that's neither here nor there. Yes. Um, so with this one, um, Olsen gets headed to the corner again. And they get hit with two other expansions, and then he um, does snake out of it, but it goes for the big boot, but also might counter that with a flying elbow. Um, one thing you notice is that this is actually Earl Hemner's last WrestleMania. Oh my god, it is as well. Good lord. Yes, because. <laughs> Hemner is funny because it's like, it's hard to like. He just kind of fades away, doesn't he? It's not as if there's like a big emotional his last moment in WWE. He just kind of you you, you recall him being there quite a bit, and then all of a sudden it's like, oh wait, yeah, Herbner wasn't around in like 2006 at all, was he? Yeah. Well, uh, the Roman story is that, like he and his brother Dave trying to start selling WWE merchandise. Oh, on yeah. the slide. Don't worry, we, <laughs> we mentioned that an awful lot on my podcast. <laughs> yeah. uh, and I was for I mean, I always think Earl is probably the most corrupt referee in, in history because there's so many times he's like exposed to be like so corrupt and yeah he still has a job. Yeah, but, I suppose uh, I think he's just got a lot of sympathy going from from two thousand when Triple H bet him up that one time so people yes. can kind of turn a blind eye for the for the screw job and all that other stuff. <laughs> yeah. Um, there's a bit where um, now also starts to get a bit of the advantage now. Um, he gets taken on the ground, sort of hits Burnham to the chest. Um, also starts tossing the trial and Taker just sits up. Um, also starts to hit some punches and then um, starts to fight back. And there's a bit where I don't know what Taker's doing. I think he's trying to do like a clothesline or something, but he just runs into Also and Orson just like falls down. And then Taker covers him and gets two. <laughs> In fairness, if there's an Undertaker run towards you and you don't know what's going to happen, chances are you're just going to fall down. Like you know. <laughs> um, one thing I want to maybe mention about this match is uh, you're seeing this is that you know WrestleMania 20 obviously he just come back and he was meant to be you know the phenom again, but he was still very much wrestling that um, you know the American badass style. He just kind of had different music and a slightly worse haircut. But in this match, by WrestleMania 21, I felt that he really had kind of fine-tuned and really, you know, 
got you know really defined what that new phenom character was which is a nice mix of his old school stuff like the sit-ups and you know the yeah. the staring at the ref and the the kind of old school offense but also incorporating some of the newer stuff you know, like you said like the the, the mma inspired stuff from the strike offense so it was really cool that he is character this character he is here has a real good sense of identity and it's very easy to to point to you know this modern undertaker character is really kind of coming out you know wrestlemania 21 Yes. Um, now there's a bit then um, when Undertaker hit, tries a dragon sleeper, and um, I know it's going back to the MMA style, but I'm not. I'm not I don't really think Undertaker's a big guy. I'm not really a big fan of him using submission moves. Um, I think the dragon sleeper, which I, he called when he was the badass, uh, it, it was called taking care of business, which <laughs> for my money is the fucking lamest submission move name ever, yeah. including the Brock Lock. But um. Yeah, I, I don't know. It's weird with Taker. If you see, you used to like pull out, a, you know, like a leg vine or a triangle choke or something like that. It was yeah. always a bit strange. That being said, I think the the Gogo Plata, the the Hell's Gate submission he does now, it's so unique to the world of wrestling. Obviously, everyone, it's done quite a bit in MMA. Why well, I like it because that he does it in in WWE. I think that is a submission move I enjoy because it's it's so different and it's so unique. But regular submission moves, Dragon Sleeper, now that didn't do anything for me. I don't think. Now, um, the ref does the three on count, which you rarely see now. Um, yeah. But on keeps his arm off the two, and then Matt reverse into DDT. Um, and then it's a bit when Ozan applies a sleeper, but he counts into a bass suplex. Um, and then Ozan gets hit with a big boot. Um, he tries take it off for one and big boot, but he counts to a power slam for two. You know, the way Ozan just like drops the guy to set. Yeah, it's, it's sweet. Yeah, it's a really good move. Um, and then, um, Ozan Bowser's take ahead of the turnbuckle, then hits that uppercut, and it does the 10 push in the corner. Now, this is like the third or fourth time this has happened where you get taken in the corner, you do the 10 push in the corner. Oh, yeah, with his arms down, yeah. Yeah. And like, then, that, then, that, that's an automatic red flag right there. Do yeah. not punch that man in the corner if his arms are down by his sides. Yes, because um, Taker then goes for, the, goes for the last wide, which is the way he beat Triple H the first time, uh, but also manages to um, get out of it. And uh, then it goes for the RKL, but Point Taker pushes him into the ref. Um, Taker then goes for the last white, and then it just instantly falls down. Yeah, it was. Uh, I remember that was quite a worrisome moment in the match because you're really yeah. hoping for that last ride, and then it seems like something's not going to plan there. Yes. Um, Cowboy Bot Walton then runs in, takes advantage of the referee coming down. Uh, and sorry for the for the record. I remember freaking out when this happened. It was like someone had like someone had come out of a time machine. It was like really Bob Orton Senior is running in on the streak match. I did not think that they would actually go there. It, I remember it pop big. It was awesome, like to see that Orton's dad was actually going to help him try and yeah. beat the Undertaker, and he has the cast on as well, which is even better. Yeah, because don't get his arm is like endlessly broken. <laughs> exactly, it's been a long twenty years or whatever it was. You know that that yeah. wound's never going to heal. Oh yeah, really bad physios and you know <laughs> the health service. Um, well, no wonder Orton is so injury prone. His dad obviously is a, is a bad standard to set, isn't he? <laughs> yes, it is. Um, he is taken with it and then puts his son over, take it to cover him, and then wakes the ref up. Great plan doesn't work when it gets two. <laughs> But uh, it was a great two count spot as well, like because yeah, he clatters him with that cast, and the fucking dust goes everywhere. It looks re- it's a really awesome visual, actually. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I remember thinking because 
this was the I mean, we said you know they've mentioned obviously before the streak is co- you know has been mentioned or whatnot, but this is the first time as you said that they're using it as part of the story, and I felt that the two guys in the match they used that to their advantage a lot, and it made the near falls even more like nail biting because for the first time they were like. They were working the crowd in the sense of it wasn't just going to be, oh, the match is going to be over. It's going to be, oh, shit, the streak is going to be over. And yeah. that's why the crowd just, they get that extra level of reaction out of them in this match, which is, you, you start to see what even the worst streak matches, people buy, start buying into these falls because they use that to their advantage. Yeah. Um, take a set up and the exchange punches. Also, the Irish would take it towards. His dad, so Kenny Regan in the cast, right from the referee, by the way. So, you know, <laughs> <laughs> a bit weird. But um, take hit the big booze cowboy boy that sends him flying off the wing. Um, also, swings and misses. I almost get hit with a choke slam when I counter it into the RKO. And One of my favorite counters ever. I thought it was absolutely brilliant. Yeah, it was really good. Uh, what was cool about it as well was the way the camera followed him. Like, it was almost as if the cameraman didn't see it coming because the camera, like, followed him like he was going for chokes and all of a sudden, like, no, he's, he's in the RKO. And it was yeah. like, it took everyone by surprise. Yeah. It was really, really awesome. Yeah, well, what we know about the RKO is, like, one of those, like, out of nowhere moves. I like moves like that. We could just, you could just hit it and see, don't set it up. Yeah, I mean, it's, I mean, it's, it's, it's good to know. Like, I remember at that point, I remember thinking it was, always, it was always good to know that you could still be surprised with a counter, with a finisher move. Like someone could do something that you hadn't seen before. And I did, never recalled anyone reversing the, the, the choke slam into a, into like a diamond cutter type move like that. So I remember yeah. popping big for that as a kid. Yeah. All the time to try something different and then um, decide to hit the tomb, go for the tombstone. Um, unfortunately, um, take a nice reverse into a tombstone for himself, um, hits it. Gets the pinfall, and that's the end of the match. Undertaker oh, is 13-0. Great finisher. I love the idea. Again, it was the cockiness came into play, because Orton had that moment where he's like, what can I do if my RK isn't going to beat him? And he's like, I know. I'll use the tombstone. And that was it. It was like, just as Jake had warned him, the cockiness, yes. you know, the, to try and put the, the man who was you know twice the size of him in a tombstone pile driver, and that's it. Undertaker wins. And uh, I remember feeling that sense of relief you know, thinking that because I didn't like Orton, as I said. Yeah. I, I was like, "Fuck it!" If the streak ends to Orton, uh, I was going to be absolutely incensed. Like, because the, the the rumors at the time was very pervasive. Was that it was going to be a young guy was going to beat Undertaker's streak because Undertaker is you know wants someone to to be put over or whatever. And I was really worried. Yeah, it was going to be Randy Orton here. And to be honest, I don't think I thought the streak. I didn't. I didn't buy into the streak being as much jeopardy. Yeah, uh, going into a match as much as I felt that you know it was in this match, I really thought that there was a good chance the streak was going to end at this point when this match happened. But I really enjoyed the match. I thought it was really good. Yeah, I, I enjoyed the match as well. I mean, it's it's, um, it's really because I'm seeing it years later, so I know like he's won. Because obviously, if Undertaker lost, I would have been in this podcast. But <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, you know, it is. I mean, what we were saying recently is that. Um, Especially now, there's going to be a vast minority of people who think Undertaker is going to lose. So, mm. but the challenge by creative is to make you think that he could lose. And um, and it's, I feel I feel a little bit in this match, a bit of it. You see it more at WrestleMania 25 and 28. Mm. A couple of times you think, oh my god, he's going to lose. That being said, at those at those pay per views, you felt that during the match, beforehand in the story, in terms of the story or whatever, you know, going into WrestleMania twenty five or twenty six, 
I did. I was like, no, there's no way that he's going to lose. Once the match started, it was a different story. But I think with this one, the storyline made you feel that the streak probably was going to to lose or be in serious jeopardy. Yeah. 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 So, um, it's a really good match. I mean, um, probably one of the better matches on the card. I mean, I'm not actually seen all the West Midlands 21. I've never seen this one and uh, and one of Michaels. Yeah, so, it's it's a re- it's a good match. I think in 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 it, it is maybe not as fondly remembered or or is kind of it's not cited as being one of the best ever because on 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 that pay-per-view card WrestleMania 21 you have got you know obviously Angle and Michaels which is wow that's it's just a, an amazing match uh, Triple yeah. H and Batista which you know despite the fact it wasn't a fan of either of those men that is a really really good match and also yeah. as well the first ever money in the bank ladder match yeah. and also uh, Eddie Guerrero and Ray there was a lot of Oh, they'll steal the show matches on that card. And, you know, like six people could claim they stole the show on on that night. Yeah. So it's it is difficult. That is a really good match on a pay per view that has a lot of excellent matches. But that being said, it's still really good and one of uh, one of Orton's best matches at WrestleMania. Yes, I think so. I mean, with, sorry, with the Eddie Way match, that the one with the fighting over Dominic. Uh, no, that that this was uh, before they uh, yeah, suspended right. Ray. Yeah, when they fought over Dominic, when they put Dominic on top of the ladder and they had to climb up and grab him. <laughs> so this was uh, this was like a friendly they had before then. It was oh, a great okay, match. Well. Yeah, it was really good though. Okay, that's really good. I thought I knew. I remember that bit. I remember seeing the SummerSlam match. Yes, the ladder, uh, but I, I didn't realize it wasn't as long as I thought it was. So, um, Kevin, where can we find you into that? Uh, you can find me at AE Podcast or search us on iTunes, the Attitude Era Podcast or AE Pod, sorry, or, uh, com forward slash Attitude Era Podcast. Uh, if you don't know what we do, we critique the pay-per-views of the Attitude Era starting at WrestleMania 14 and moving onwards. We do them show by show and, uh, have a chat about the angles, have a bit of a laugh, make video game references, that kind of thing. Uh, so yeah, check us out if you're into that. If you're, you know, looking to, to find out about the Attitude Era, you know, check us out. Um, as for me, I'm, I'm on Twitter at Lowdown Wrestling. Uh, website is lowdownwrestling.blogspot.com. Um, at the minute, just focus on pay-per-view reviews. And once I've got this podcast series done and go through WrestleMania, I hope to write a bit more opinion pieces. Um, the next bit I ever get round to it will be TNA Lockdown. I didn't have a chance to watch it yet. Um, but hopefully I'll get that up in the next week or so. Um, so, Kevin, thank you much for being on the show. Yeah, my pleasure. Great taking a trip down memory lane and uh, reliving one of my preferred WrestleMania Undertaker matches. Yes, uh, you're welcome. And um, join me next time where I'll be with Bill Bitnell as we discuss the casket match with Mark Henry at WrestleMania 22. So until then, uh, thank you for listening and goodbye.